And this is the review. There's someone that sits at the table of your service. God sits at the table of your service. Your family sits at the table of your service. Your loved ones, the ones you love and the ones that love you, they're seated at this seat of your service. They've come to your restaurant to eat. They're sitting down at your table where you're the waiter and you're the one serving them. There's someone that sits at the table of your service. Your disciples sit at that table of your service. Your family sits at that table. Your loved ones, God himself sits on that chair, on that seat. The question is, how are you serving God? How are you serving those that come to eat off the table of your service? Those you do life with, those whom you love, those whom love you. How do you or how are you serving them? Your purpose sits at the seat of your service. How are you serving your purpose? Your gifts sit at the seat of your service. How are you serving your gifts? How are you serving your call? Some of you are called to affirmation. Some of you are called to evangelism. Some of you, you have a great call. How are you serving the gifts God has given you? How are you serving God and how are you serving God's kingdom with the talents and the gifts that he's given you? Your purpose sits at the table of your service. How are you serving your purpose? So many people nowadays have you ever gone to a restaurant and your waiter spends more time at another table than at your table and it's kind of like you like and you like frustrated and you like and then they pass you and you excuse me sometimes if we're not careful that's how we serve our purpose Sometimes if we're not careful, that's how we serve God. Sometimes if we're not careful, that's how we serve the people that really need us the most. There's people that are sitting at the table of your service. This is not just a gimmick. This is not just an example. This is real life. People sit at your table of service. How are you serving them? Your wife, your spouse, your children, they sit at this seat called the table of your service how are you serving them your church sits at the table of your service how are you serving your church a lot of people look about a lot of people look for what the church can do for them but they never look for what they can do for the church I got a good one. Miami, our city, sits at the table of your service. How are you serving your community? How are you serving your neighbors? How are you serving this city? Do you complain about the city or do you serve the city? You know, and sometimes we feel because we got the latest utensils or because our restaurant looks really nice or because we've been open for years 
we don't got to serve no more. Sometimes we feel because we drive the car we drive or because we've obtained the career we've obtained or because we have the education we have or because we have the money we have, we don't have to serve no more. Or we don't have to serve the same. Because I've been in church for so long, I don't have to serve the same. Because I've been in church for so long, I don't need to serve others. Because I've been here so long, because I've acquired a new position, because I've acquired a new function, a new title. Let me tell you something. Every time you're promoted, whether in the kingdom or outside the church, it's another level to serve. If Jesus himself served, then there is no position, there is no level of ministry, there is no level of income. If Jesus Christ himself served, there is no level, there is no position in ministry, in in income, in business, or in education that exempts any of us from service. Jesus served and he served the world with his very life. It was in his bucket list to serve. The hour had come moments before he got arrested, betrayed, and led to the cross. When he knew his time was running out. When he knew he didn't have much time left. He washed his disciples' feet. Change the sound, please. He washed his disciples' feet. Many of us would be thinking about us if our time was short. I feel like I'm stepping on toes. Your greatness is connected to your ability to go through process. And service will, also, will always process you for your purpose. So serve well. What if somebody could yelp you? What if somebody could yelp your character? What if somebody could yelp the way you are with your family? Would that person still be interested in you? What if somebody could yelp your private life? What if somebody could yelp your service? How many stars will you have? What type of reviews will people write about you? Because anybody can write what they want about themselves. But Jesus said... To his disciples, who do men say that I am? And then he said, who do you say that I am? What does your family have to say about you? What does your mentor have to say about you? What do your disciples have to say about you? I wonder if people could write reviews about your discipleship or the way you lead others. What will we find out about you? What would happen if your whole entire life could be yelped? What if your entire life could be on Yelp right now? Would people want to come to you? What reviews would they write about your service? The worst thing that can happen to any of us is that God will no longer want to eat off of our table. Our family will no longer want to eat 
off of our table. And you can continue with your fancy little flowers and your nice little cups and your cute little environment and the cool music and the perfect place to start a business and have a restaurant. But if your service is terrible, people ain't going to want to come back. If your service is terrible, not even your own friends, not your disciples, not your family, they ain't going to want to eat from you. Service equals greatness. People don't care about what you know. They, they want to know how much you care. Are you with me? All right, so that was our review. Last thing in our review, before I start the message tonight. God never rebuked anyone for wanting to be great. God wants you to be great. Jesus had two disciples that asked him, Lord, we want you to do whatever we ask of you to do for us. How many of you would want God to do whatever you ask of him to do? It's kind of like Aladdin, like you just rub the lamp and genie comes out and you just, all right, just do what I want you to do. If it was only that easy, right? And Jesus said, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I'll make you as great as you want me to make you. But one thing is going to come with that greatness, and that's process. One thing is going to come tied to that greatness, and that's suffering. That's paying the price. That's going through some stuff. That's going through some process. Because if I can, if I'm going to bless you with the answer to what you're asking me for, then I got to make you fit to survive the blessing. I got to make you fit to survive the breakthrough. I got to make you fit to survive the answer. I got to build some character in you now. I got to build some anointing in you now. I got to make you tough. So Jesus says, I don't care how great you want for me to make you as long as you understand that the greater you want to become, the greater I must change you. The greater you want to be, the more pain the price is going to come with that request. And close to the the end of Jesus' life, he's with his disciples, and his disciples are arguing amongst themselves. And it's kind of like a funeral. It's kind of like when you show up to the lawyer's office and he's reading the will. Who gets what? And all of the disciples are like, all right, who's going to be great? Who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to get this? Who's going to get that? And they're arguing. They're discussing. And Jesus is just hearing them. He's just there on the cut, just listening to what they're arguing about. And the Bible teaches us that they were arguing about greatness. Question, who here wants to be great? Everybody wants to be great. But who here wants to be processed? Who here wants to serve? Who here wants to be a servant? Who here wants to be the servant of all? Who here wants to be a slave? Ain't too many hands going up, huh? Everybody wants to be great, but nobody wants to be processed. Everybody wants to be paraded, but ain't nobody wants to be processed. You got a prophetic word, you put it on on your social media, on Instagram, on Facebook. Let the whole world know, but you don't want to be processed for that word to come to pass. There's a price you must pay for everything that's great about you. (laughs) 
So his disciples are arguing about being great. And Jesus says, class in session, sit down, take out your notepads and your pens. Because this is the last life lesson I'm going to teach you. Or at least one of the last ones. And as they're arguing about greatness, Jesus starts talking to them about, you know, I'm glad you want to be great. And I'm not here to stop you, rebuke you, or hold you back from being great. I want you to be great. Oh, man, I'm going to preach to you tonight. I, you know what, God, you know, I feel like God is telling people here tonight, I want you to be great in life. I want you to have a great marriage. You see, God wants you to be a great father, a great spouse, a great husband, a great lover, a great wife, a great father, a great husband. He wants you to be a great leader. He wants you to be great in business. If you thought that God didn't want you to be great, no, he wants you to be great. But God says, if you want to be great, you got to serve his disciples were talking about greatness and Jesus changed it up on them and I can see them now they look like some of us in a calculus class confused and Jesus is like you want to be great competition doesn't equal greatness ambition doesn't equal greatness If y'all talking about greatness, then let me teach you the antidote and the secret to greatness. Y'all want to be great? Y'all arguing about who's going to be the greatest of all. Y'all arguing about who's going to have the greatest level of success. Y'all arguing about who's going to be the greatest amongst y'all. Well, let me teach you ambition doesn't equal greatness. Let me teach you self-sufficiency doesn't equal greatness. He taught his disciples, if you want to be great as you say you want to be great, one thing is needed. You got to serve. Trying to get to the top is not how you get to greatness. It's trying to get to the bottom. It's not trying to live in your marriage that's going to make you have a great marriage. It's wanting to die that's going to have you have a great marriage. All right. The review's over. That's basically everything in a nutshell that we discussed last week. Luke 10, 38, verse 42. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. Take some notes because I promise you your life will change tonight. Did you come for your life to be changed? Did you come to be empowered? Say with me, service equals greatness. We're going to read about two women tonight. How many women do I have here? We're going to read about two women tonight. And I hope I do my best. God, give me grace. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha, say with me, Martha, welcomed him, who's him, Jesus, into her house. And she, and she had a sister called Mary, say with me, Mary, who also sat, where did she sit? She sat at the feet of Jesus and heard his what? But Martha was 
distracted with what? Much serving. Service equals greatness. Tell your neighbor, be careful with much serving. And she approached them and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell your neighbor, neighbor, don't serve alone. Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. What's tonight's message called? One thing is needed. The series is called Service Equals Greatness. But tonight's message is called One Thing is Needed. Tell the person next to you, one thing is needed. Tell the other person next to you, one thing is needed. I promise you, if you take a hold of this word, it will change your entire life. It will change everything that you do. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Can you put your hands together? Let's go back to verse 39. And I'm going to break this, this scripture down to you. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone, therefore tell her to help me. Verse 41, and Jesus has answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Write this down. Service outside of worship. Write this down. Service Outside of worship, I'm really going to speak to the leaders tonight and even God's children. Service outside of worship produces anxiety. And there will always be a temptation or a distraction that the devil himself will assign to your worship life. Even if it's in the name of serving God. Oh, you got to hear what I'm about to preach to you tonight. It does you no good to fix a meal for God that he won't eat. Or that he didn't even ask for. Sometimes we try to serve God in things that he's not even calling us to serve him. And sometimes because it's in the name of God... Write this down. Service outside of worship is to love what we do over our love to be with Him. 
Man, I, I feel like preaching this message, but something's not letting me. And I, I don't know. I feel like it's just God wants to minister to people that have been serving too much rather than being with him more. And the fact that Jesus told Martha, Mary, your sister, has chosen the good part means Martha had chosen also, but she chose the wrong part. She thought over-serving would please God rather than sitting at his feet. And if you're not careful here in this church, in your walk with God, you'll try to outdo yourself in service instead of outdoing yourself in worship. Revelations 2.4 When you love to do, when you love more what you're doing for God rather than loving to be with God. If you find yourself in that place tonight, if you're struggling with much serving rather than much worship, this is what Jesus says. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you what? Let's go to 2-2. Two, two. I know your works. I know your labor. I know your patience. Verse 3. And have seen how you've persevered, how you've been patient, and how you've labored for what? In other words, God is speaking to people here tonight. Oh, I feel it. God is speaking to people here tonight and he's saying, I've seen how you've been heavily working for my kingdom. I've seen your labors. I've seen how you've been serving. I've seen what you've been doing in my house. I've seen what you've been doing for years. I see that you're serving the food. I see that you're serving the table. I see that you're serving men. I see that you're serving your net. I see that you're serving the church. I see you doing many things. But one thing I have have against you verse 4 you've lost your first love you've lost where your service started to begin with you lost the place where you passion to serve me started Martha chose service over worship and for the first time ever, I read that scripture knowing that Martha started as a worshiper. But ended as a server. A servant outside of worship. And every time you try to serve God. Every time you try to serve God's kingdom outside of worship, you're going to get distracted. You're going to feel anxiety. You're going to feel worried. Some of you feel that way right now about making disciples. Some of you feel that way right now about the vision of this house. Some of you, you've been serving for years. 
But now you find yourself in a place serving outside of his presence. Pastor, I pray. Pastor, I love God. Pastor, I worship. Isaiah 6.2 Above it stood a seraphim. Each one has six wings. This is prophet Isaiah describing the seraphims, the angels. How many wings did they have? Anybody love chicken wings? I don't know why I'm... The devil, let me get back into the message. Above it stood seraphims. Each one had how many wings? Pastor, I pray. Pastor, I intercede. Pastor, I worship. Pastor, I serve. I have a prayer life. How many wings did they have? With two, they covered their face. And with two, they they covered his face. And with two, they covered his what? And with two, they what? Four of those wings was for God. Two was for them. Pastor, I'm praying. I have a prayer life. Don't ever allow your level of service for God to exceed your level of worship to God. Six wings, four to worship, two to serve. Service will lead you into greatness. But if you're not in worship, if you're not in the presence of God, that greatness will end up destroying you. Outside of worship, you won't be able to sustain greatness. It's why some of you have gotten stagnant. It's why some of you, you don't know why you're not bearing fruit anymore. It's why it's gotten so hard and so tough to bear fruit in God's house and in the vision where God planted you in. I'll tell you why. You outside of presence. Pastor, I'm in the presence. Your level of service is now greater than your level of worship. And when that happens, God will always tell you, I have this against you. You lost your first love. Did you notice they didn't lose their works? Did you notice they didn't lose their labor? But they lost their worship. It's worship that causes you to serve God. It's worship that puts the passion in you to serve God it's worship that gets you going service equals greatness but worship is what empowers you to serve worshiping God is what's going to cause you to stand firm stand strong serving equals greatness but worship is what causes you to continue to serve it to last serving years will go by and you'll be still serving the same way you started serving why? because you're a worshiper before you're a servant you're a seeker of God before you're a seeker of man Oh, let me tell you something. Sometimes, can I preach to somebody here tonight? 
Listen, don't ever mistake my service to man for idolatry to man. Because it's in my worship to God that I learned how to serve man. And it's because I, I worship God that God has equipped me. He's empowered me to serve man with excellence. In worship, I learned how to love God unconditionally. Therefore, I can love man unconditionally. In God, in worship, I learned to serve God with no agenda. That's why now I serve God with agenda. The problem is now in the church, we got a whole lot of servers outside of the presence. So now that's why competition is in the church and now that's why pride and envy is in the church you know where it started it started the day Martha chose serving more over worship am I preaching to anybody here it started the moment you lost first love instead of losing your labor and you forgot your passion to serve came from sitting at his feet. Don't ever confuse my service to man as idolatry to man. No, no, no. Jesus learned how to wash the Father's feet before he washed his disciples' feet. Your worship life will always translate into your life of service. What will determine, and I finish, what will determine your greatness? What will determine your greatness is your service. And what will determine the level of your service, what you can bear and what you can take is your heart of worship. Service equals greatness, but one thing is needed, worship. What will determine your greatness is your service. And what will determine the level of your service, what you can bear, what you can process, is your heart of worship. You must learn how to please God. You must learn how to please the Lord. Matthew 4.10 and I finish. Is worship when you no longer give attitude to the one who's eating at your table is worship that causes you not to see the bad but the good in people is worship that keeps you alive is worship that will keep your business going is worship don't ever forget that don't ever choose labor over intimacy Mike Bickle says this. There's two types of people in God's kingdom. There's workers and there's lovers. Lovers always get more things done than workers do. When you're a lover of God, it's easy to bear fruit. You don't even got to try and your house of peace has 50 people. But one thing is needed. How's your love life with God? I see you serving. And you do it so well. How's your level of worship?
You know what the sad truth is, including myself? There's people who once sat at your table and mine and no longer sit there anymore. Our service changed the moment our level of worship changed. Can I tell you a secret? Can I tell you a secret? People don't really like you. They like Jesus. They don't really like you and me. They like Jesus. Some of y'all don't want to see some of these leaders outside of worship. Truth be told, you've seen them. How many of you want to serve God till the end? How many of you want to finish your race? It's not about being here 24-7. I believe in that. I'm here 24-7. But I'm there. Being a lover of his presence. You know, God told me that the heart of worship was going to come back into the hearts of every single person in this youth. Just close your eyes for a moment. His presence is here. Oh my God, we didn't even go to that verse. Matthew 4.10. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan. Yes, Lord. Away with you, Satan, for it is written. You know what you're going to tell the devil? The moment he tries to get you to put and place something or someone before God, away with you, Satan. Can somebody just say that? Can you just visualize yourself speaking to busyness right now and everything that causes you to be unfruitful and everything that causes you to labor more than what you worship? Can you just speak to whatever it is that has you tied down, that's trying to get in your love life between you and God? You know, can you just speak to that and just say, away with you, Satan? Can you just speak to every circumstance, every crisis, every situation that has ever got in the way of you spending some real quality time with God I'm not talking about when you're trying to pray for an hour I'm talking about when you just want to enjoy God you just want it to be an adventure a journey like you can go anywhere with God right now God where do you want to go let's go am I talking to some people here tonight in the house of God some intimate people some people that know what I'm talking about listen can you just say away with you Satan. 
A career wants to get in the way. Business wants to get in the way. Church wants to get in the way. A way where you say it. And what did he say? For it is written, you shall what? First things first. Worship. And then serve. Worship will sustain your service. Worship will sustain your service. Lack of worship, criticism steps in. Lack of worship, complaining. Lack of worship, pride. Lack of worship, busyness. Weariness. Martha was tired of doing something that she used to have so much fuel to do. Lack of worship. I could see Martha in her prime serving tables. Y'all ever seen those people that carry like 10 plates? Pulling out chairs. Clean utensils. I can see Martha in her prime serving Jesus. Bringing to his table exactly what he ordered to eat. I can see her not mixing up orders. I can see her not treating people rude. I can see her bringing out the food on time. I can see her being courteous. I can see her getting fat tips. I can see her getting great reviews. I can see her with five stars on Yelp. I can see her where everybody wants to attend her restaurant and eat from her table. I can see her as employee of the year, but one thing is needed, and that one thing she despised, that one thing is what caused her to no longer be in the prime, and that's that she started serving more than worshiping. And I end with this, and I might get in trouble. I should say it. People might take it the wrong way. Have you ever said something and people just took it and they they kind of took it the wrong? Oh. Have you ever preached something? Have you ever said something and somebody took it to defend themselves? And they tell you like that's not what I meant. Usually people who are under that spirit of anxiety want others to also be. And anxiety. Don't ever let anyone mess with your worship. Don't ever allow someone to tell you there's something else needed than sitting at the feet of Jesus. Oh, I'm preaching. I like that preacher. I know if I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself. Don't ever let somebody tap you on the shoulders and say, Hey, hon, there's something else we got to do. Hey, there's something more important. Can you go and run? No, I'm not going to run and do errands. No, I'm not going to do you favors. No, I'm not leaving from this position because in this position is what got you to ask me what you're asking me to begin with. No, I'm not letting go of this position. 
place called worship, of this place called being at the feet of Jesus. It's being at the feet of Jesus that qualifies me for greatness to begin with. It's being at his feet that qualifies me to serve to begin with. No, I'm not leaving. No, don't leave that place. There's nothing more important. There's nothing better than being at the feet of Jesus. Somebody got to say amen. Service equals greatness. But worship empowers you for greatness.